Is this the rarest dog breed of all? Can this dog sniff out $5,000 worth of truffles? Is this a pile of yarn? How does this dog take on bears? Was this breed used as a hot water bottle? And how can this dog tame a cobra? Dogs 101 celebrates man's best friend. Today, we focus on some of the rarest breeds in the world. The Lagoto Romagnolo, the Puli, the Karelian Bear Dog, the Peruvian Inca Orchid, the Thai Ridgeback, and the New Guinea Singing Dog. And they call them rare breeds. Man's best friend, the canine, has been evolving over thousands of years. Domestic dogs originally started out from wolves that were sitting around the campfires of ancient man and gradually the more friendly ones were entrained inwards. From there, dogs were bred to help us do just about everything. They would breed different dogs together to produce an animal that excelled at whatever task they were breeding for. These first working dogs look drastically different from each other based on geography. Siberian Huskies develop thick, dense coats to pull sleds in Arctic conditions. Whereas the Thai Ridgeback sported a short, dense coat to haul carts in tropical Thailand. And it is from these and many other older breeds that all of our purebreds arose. It was during the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s that changing social and economic conditions led to the emergence of dogs as companions, not just working dogs. Breeds were developed solely for looks, companionship, or whatever was stylish like fox hunting. They became more interested in having a dog that suited them in terms of their appearance and making a fashion statement. It was because of this preference for appearance over function, as well as shifts in trends and changes in the environment, that many breeds fell out of favor. Many cultural trends and hundreds of years later, breeds like the American Foxhound, the Peruvian Inca Orchid, and the Norwegian Lundhound have all but disappeared. And whether they are the foundation of our modern dogs or a breed that simply didn't catch on, these rare breeds are still an important part of canine heritage to be cherished. For today's special episode, Dogs 101 has scoured the earth to find the rarest, most obscure breeds on the planet. And we start with the precious Puli. It's one of the most unusual looking dogs in the world. It looks like a mop, a big, giant, moving mop. There's no sight like seeing this dog run across a field. These cords are swinging all over the place. The Puli is a bona fide head turner. So rare that less than 150 new Puli pups are registered every year in the U.S. Compared to over 60,000 Golden Retriever pups, the Puli is an ancient dog and records show they were working the Hungarian plains during the 9th century. The Puli was originally bred in Hungary as a dog that would assist sheep farmers to herd the sheep. The Puli's herding style is very different from many other herding dogs. The Border Collie uses eye control to stare down sheep, and an Australian cattle dog will typically nip at their heels. But a Puli uses assertive, bouncy movements and a high-pitched bark. They are dogs who have a lot of drive and a lot of intensity. Puli come in solid black, rusty black, gray, and white. Most of these dogs are black. There's only about 2% that come in a light white color. And the reason for this is simply because sheep respond better to dark colored dogs. 
Cooley are incredibly fast and are able to change direction in an instant. They're very agile dogs. The Pooley actually has great eyesight, despite what it may look like from the outside. And when viewed from the side, the body and legs actually look like a square. And most distinctive of all is the weather-resistant, dreadlock-adorned coat. They have a very soft, plush undercoat with a very profuse top layer. And as those two kind of tangle with one another, they form these circular little cords that look very much like dreadlocks. Those profuse cords served a purpose on the Hungarian plains. The cords actually create a barrier from the elements and from predators. Imagine a wolf who tries to attack a pulley. All he'd really get a mouthful of is corded hair. And it's that dreadlock-adorned coat that got knitting enthusiast Mary Carol Jen instantly hooked. I went to a dog show and I saw poolies being shown and I went, oh! and the texture and the color and the, the way their cords moved. Three months later, we had Andy. Andy is a gift to our family. He's always around our grandchildren. He's a huge part of our lives, and I can't imagine not having him around. He also got Mary Carol thinking nonstop about her passion, knitting. Andy looks like yarn to me. He looks as if I could knit him. Andy came into my life, and I found that I was knitting more. It became my passion again, and a few months later, darned if I didn't have a yarn shop, and I do believe it was because of Andy. That was three years ago, and today, Lamp Shop is a huge success. Andy's been coming to the shop since the day it opened. He is the mascot for the store. People come into the shop, and Andy greets them. Oh, you gotta love this. Mary Carroll says Andy has a lot of nicknames. People are always calling him Bob Marleymon, Mop Dog, uh, the dog with no eyes, the Rasta Dog. Most people have never seen a dog with dreads. I think Andy is a bigger attraction than the knit store. He'll sit at the front door and watch people as they walk by and encourage them to come in. Is it a pile of yarn on the floor? Mary Carroll says new people are quite surprised when Andy stirs. They're new to the store and they don't know Andy. All of a sudden he moves. They will look at him and say, ah, he moved because he looks like he is a knitted animal or he's a display piece. Andy loves being at the yarn shop with Mary Carroll and it looks like he'll be here for life. Andy will always be the mascot here. Pooley love being the center of attention and can make excellent family pets, but in some cases may not be as easygoing with small children as Andy. A Pooley is a dog that probably does best in the family without younger children. Their intelligence and willingness to work make them fairly easy to train if you start early. The Pooley adapts well to all climates and like most dogs, requires daily exercise. Overall, the Pooley is a hardy breed, but they can get eye infections if the hair around the eye gets matted. They do have issues with hip dysplasia. They do have some eye issues. Those with little time for grooming should not get this breed. Those dreadlocks are a lot of work to maintain. One by one, individually, you split each cord down to the skin. 
And then after you've done that, which could take hours, you've got to bathe the dog. It can take them up to three days for all of their cords to dry. In general, the Puli is well-suited to all climates and is a sturdy breed. They're one of the most high-maintenance dogs to groom. Their intelligence makes them easy to train. And they fare best as family pets with more experienced dog owners with older, gentle children. The Thai Ridgeback was trained to keep deadly snakes at bay, even known to attack and kill cobras. It's uh, strong, it's powerful, um, fearless. Nobody's going to mess with you with a Thai Ridgeback. The Thai Ridgeback is a primitive breed which evolved from the Asian wolf in eastern Thailand. The Thai Ridgeback has been depicted in cave drawings in Cambodia and Thailand from as early as uh, 3,000 years ago. It's also an extremely rare breed. They have only been in the U.S. since 1994. There is believed to be only about a thousand of them outside of Thailand um, and only about a hundred in the United States. They were bred to be working dogs for uh, cart pulling, they were bred for guard dogs, they were bred for hunting. And in Thailand today, they're primarily companion dogs that are highly protective of their family and property. And for the people of Thailand, a point of pride um, that they have a dog who is as beautiful and courageous and brave as this, as their national dog. This royal dog of Thailand is known for several remarkable characteristics. The Thai Ridgeback is one of three purebred dogs that have a ridge going down their back, which has the hair growing in the opposite direction. They're known for their big ears that stand straight up. It gives it kind of a, an adorable look when you're looking at it straight on. Adorable, yes, but also one lean, mean doggy machine. This is a dog's dog, if ever there was one. Um, a real Schwarzer dog, a muscle man. These dogs are active, agile, and versatile, excelling at jumping and climbing. Very, very well-developed dog. So these dogs can be extremely athletic. And Chris Kerner of Capistrano Beach, California, knows firsthand just how athletic a Thai Ridgeback can be. Magic is very, very agile. He he's, does some amazing things. The way he can spring and jump and land, he's, he's almost like a cat. Even more astonishing is Magic's skill on a paddleboard. Paddleboarding is a surface water sport where a person stands on a large surfboard with a single paddle and paddles out through the surf, then rides the waves back to shore. It requires great balance. Magic can do just about anything on a paddleboard, uh, but the only thing that he can do that I can't is hang 20. Chris's children, Cameron and Hayden, agree. Magic does things that I've never seen any other dog do in my life. He's a really adventurous dog, and um, he's a good swimmer. Magic is magical. Magic's athletic beach lifestyle today is a huge contrast to the first five years of his life. The gentleman that had Magic, he was traveling a bit. So Magic spent most days alone. When Chris and his wife Shirley heard of Magic's predicament, they made arrangements to adopt Magic from his former owner and give him a family life. Their lives have been full of magical moments ever since. Magic, there's a squirrel up here. Magic's life now is, is fantastic. He's a very happy dog. A happy dog who fit right in almost instantly with the Kerner's beach lifestyle. About six months after adopting Magic, the dog began crying at the beach while Chris was paddleboarding. He would sit there and just whine. I went down there one day with a, one of my bigger boards that could hold two people and uh, put it in the water and 
let Magic out of the car. He just ran down and hopped on the board like he's been doing it his whole life. He was on uh, the board with me for at least 45 minutes. He didn't fall off once, and we've been paddling ever since that day. Now Chris can't keep Magic out of the water. Magic is, is very aware uh, when I'm ready to go paddling, it, and he gets very upset if I go without him. We have a group that we paddle with sometimes, and uh, they all have dogs, and we get out and paddle together. And Magic knows he's good. He can hop on a surfboard and grip on it without even falling off. And after a long day on the paddleboard, Magic likes to end the day in song. He's just fantastic. He's he's does everything with us. He's really enriched our lives. Like Magic, Ty Ridgebacks bond closely with their families. But they can be a territorial breed that's very cautious around unfamiliar people, especially on their property. It's a dog who is very likely to have aggression issues with other dogs. So early training and socialization are a must with this breed. They thrive in warm climates and are intolerant of cold weather. The Thai Ridgeback is a healthy breed, but prone to a congenital defect called dermoid sinus. Which is a rare skin condition that can be fatal. Grooming couldn't be easier with these dogs. A little brushing during the shedding season, an occasional bath will do them fine. While every dog is unique, generally Thai Ridgebacks thrive in warmer climates. They're a sturdy breed, but are prone to dermoid sinus. They're low maintenance when it comes to grooming, but can be high maintenance when it comes to training and socialization. So only experienced dog owners should consider owning this breed. The Lagotto Romagnolo can really mambo Italiano. I just like the name. Lagotto Romagnolo. I would consider getting one just so I could say that name again and again. The breed is so rare, there are only about 500 Lagotto in the U.S. But the breed is famous in its native Italy as a seeker of a rare mushroom called truffles, a delicacy more expensive than even caviar. Lagotto may be rare, but they are a very old breed. In fact, the Lagotto is the foundation dog for all water dogs. That means the Lagotto is the great-grandfather to poodles, Portuguese water dogs, and golden retrievers, to name a few. Lagottos do like to run and hunt and swim and dig. Though medium-sized, the Lagotto is robust with powerful, long, straight legs. Like the poodle and the Portuguese water dog, the Lagotto is covered with a dense, curly coat of hair. Color varieties include brown, gray, and white. Coats can be solid or have patches of color. You really want to run your fingers through this dog's coat because it's just soft and curly. A thick neck and wide chest complete the picture of a small but strong dog. So their digging ability is unbelievable. The origins of the Lagotto go deep into Italian history, predating even the Romans. Images of the Lagotto can be found in art that is centuries old. Like all water retrievers, they were first used to hunt waterfowl. In fact, lago means lake in Italian. They are a dog that probably couldn't think of anything they'd rather do than go swimming. In the 19th century, the marshlands in the Lagotto's native Emilia-Romagna were drained. Waterfowling ceased and the Lagotto nearly went extinct. 
But luckily, the few remaining Legoto found favor among truffle hunters. Thanks to the truffle hunters, there was enough breeding stock left to bring the Legoto back from the brink of extinction. Preserving the Legoto means preserving a piece of Italy, a piece of our history. The Legoto has always been a working dog, and it is today a working dog. That's something that people here in Aquilonia, Italy, have known for generations. This is one of the richest truffle-producing regions in the world. The Lagotto breed is very important in Italy because of the business around the truffle. Elisa and her husband Lorenzo hunt truffles. They rely on their Lagotto to seek out this rare, delicious delicacy. In some seasons, the price of one pound of white truffles reaches over $2,500. Black truffles can be around $400 per pound. If you have good dogs, you are sure that you will find truffle. Tom is Elisa and Lorenzo's most experienced truffle-hunting Legoto. Two young dogs, Millie and Mitzi, are hoping to get their first taste of virgin truffles. For Elisa, truffle-hunting is inspired by a love of nature and the Legoto. You can have a special feeling with your dog because he understands that you are asking him to search something, and uh, it's very exciting. For him, uh, the hunting is like a play. The day starts out slowly. The young dogs are unfocused. Truffle hunting is a boom or bust business. Sometimes weeks go by without finding anything. But just as Lorenzo and Elisa are about to call it a day, Tom hits on something. It's a huge black truffle. Now the young dogs start to get in on the action. They find another truffle, then another. Elisa and Lorenzo's Legotos have struck truffle gold. These dogs are trained from birth to use their keen noses to seek out truffles, but have no desire to eat them. When they dig out a truffle, they get a doggy treat. What looked like a tough day at first has turned into a bonanza. They may not know how much truffles are worth, but pleasing their owners is priceless. They are very happy because they uh, understand that you are happy. They want that you are happy. Legoto's well-honed nose has made it a staple with Italian truffle hunters for generations. Recently, the rest of the world has gotten to know the Legoto as a family pet. The Legoto is also a great family dog. They have a strong affinity for children. This is a very versatile dog, but it will do better with space to roam. This is a breed that has a high propensity for digging, so either supervise them or give them a special little digging pit, like a sandbox for kids. Like the Poodle, the Legoto has a non-shedding coat that must be cut regularly. You need to keep them brushed because you do need to keep the coat from matting. This is generally considered a healthy and robust dog. But there are problems with hip dysplasia and epilepsy among some breeding lines. The Legoto is born to please. Paw? You want to give me the other paw? Good girl! There you go. The Legoto Romagnolo is a versatile breed that will need space to run and dig. It's generally healthy, though some breeding lines have issues. Legoto require regular grooming. They're an easy dog to train and do well with children. The Lagotto is a very special dog. I fell in love with this breed.
The Peruvian Inca orchid is one of the rarest dogs in the world. Only a thousand are thought to exist worldwide. The Peruvian Inca orchid is also called the moonflower dog and has an alternative name, the Pero San Pelo de Peru, which means the dog without hair from Peru. The Spanish conquerors of Peru called these dogs Peros Flora, or flower dog. Perhaps because they found the dogs in the caves where the orchids grew. They may have many names, but their look is unmistakable. Not all Inca orchids are hairless. In some litters, you'll find the better-known bald dogs alongside their fully furry siblings. The hairless has prick ears where the air stands straight up, whereas the coated version, because the hair is heavy, causes the ears to flop over. The Peruvian Inca orchid is the national dog of Peru because of its historic significance. It's impossible to know how these dogs first made it to Peru, but they appear depicted in ancient ceramics from thousands of years ago. Incan royalty prized them as bed warmers. Some people say that these hairless dogs have certain healing properties. Although their body temperature is no warmer than any other dog, their hairless skin radiates heat and can bring comfort to people in pain, sort of like a hot water bottle. A sight hound, like a greyhound, these muscular dogs were also used for hunting and were able to run very fast to catch their prey, as well as to traverse the great distances between the mountain settlements. The Inca orchid was bred to run messages from various Inca tribes, you know, one to the other, so it was like the postal service in those days. Today there is a debate as to the size a Peruvian Inca orchid should be. The big controversy is that the United States recognizes only one size, whereas in Peru there are different sizes. Whether small, medium, or large, this breed has many unique characteristics in common. They can range in color from pink to black and often come with a striking spotted skin. Typically they're born basically all black or you know, all pink. Then they develop these huge freckles, which uh, can be an assortment of colors, and the, the freckles kind of grow and sort of blend together to create the sort of final color coat of the dog. The Peruvian Inca orchid has what's known as a hair foot that's most pronounced on the hairless dog, where they have very long toes and a webbed foot. Just as with other hairless dogs, like the Chinese crested, the Inca orchid may actually have small patches of hair, primarily on its head, tail, and feet, but will remain hairless overall. 20 years ago in Peru, many dogs lived on the street and scavenged for food. People thought the Inca orchids they saw on the street were sick because they were hairless. Little did they know that these dogs were a rare breed native to Peru. The Inca orchid faced extinction due to neglect. But 25 miles outside of Lima, Peru, an accident for Alfredo Jamno Tartini may have saved the breed from extinction. After breaking his arm, a friend gave him an Inca orchid. He used the dog like a hot water bottle, just as the ancient Incas did, allowing the heat from its skin to alleviate his pain. Alfredo was so moved by his experience, he developed a refuge called Chocolas Camp in order to care for Inca orchids and rescue them from the streets. His nephew, Raul, grew up with Alfredo and the Inca orchids. These dogs have given us not only happiness, they care my uncle, they was really the most important part of everything. The dogs live with Alfredo and his family. We really rescued the dogs. Right now we breed them and we export them 
around the world. Today in this small Peruvian town, Alfredo is hosting a party to celebrate the 24th anniversary of breed recognition. Artifacts are on display, champions are preening, and the guests have their dogs for an afternoon in the countryside. Alfredo, as an ambassador of the breed, founded the Inca Orchid Club of Peru. He helped it become the national dog of Peru. Alfredo has taken this former street dog and made it into a national treasure. And the breed is now guaranteed a place in Peru's future, as well as its past. Inca orchids can be great for families, but keep in mind the spirited sighthound is in their heritage. These rambunctious dogs need supervision with small children, who they might knock over, and they may chase the family cat. As for training, treat them gingerly. They need to be vested in positive training techniques, recognizing the sensitivity of this dog, and slowly and positively exposing it to various aspects of his environment. The Peruvian Inca orchid would be fine for an apartment as long as they got exercise because they do need to exert themselves on a daily basis to be happy. Special attention must be paid in harsh climates. Their exposed skin makes them susceptible to sunburn and exposure to cold temperatures. Health-wise, they are prone to skin problems, epilepsy, and pancreatitis, and inflammation of the pancreas. With so little hair, grooming is minimal. They're as bald as a coot, with just a tuft of hair sticking out the top. But they will require sunscreen and protection from the elements. While the Peruvian orchid is rare, and we are still learning about them, we do know that they require protection from the elements. Their hairless skin is prone to skin cancer. Inca orchids need sunscreen. Being sensitive, they benefit from early socialization. And they need supervision with small children and small household pets. Good looking if you like that kind of thing, which I personally do. From the dingo in Australia to the jackal in Africa, the canine family is spread all over the world. But what is the world's rarest breed? It's a dog discovered in the jungles of Asia. In the 1950s, an expedition to the remote highlands of New Guinea discovered what is probably the world's rarest dog. Meet the New Guinea singing dog. New Guinea singing dog is one of the rarest dogs in the world, if not the rarest. Affectionately called singers, there are only an estimated 100 in captivity. This is such a rare, beautiful fox-like dog that it's a shame there aren't more. Not only are they uncommon, they're one of the most primitive canines in the world, landing them the nickname Stone Age Dog. These dogs have been separated from the domestic dog going back to as long as 30,000 years. They have a separate mutation that the dingo doesn't have, suggesting that they are older than the dingo. But it's the New Guinea singing dog's voice that is its signature quality. Singing is really a kind of howling with a single note. When there's a group of them together, they can all sing in slightly different pitches, and the, the sound is almost like a, a barbershop chorus. American Idol, watch out. These dogs are native to the highlands of Papua New Guinea and have remained virtually unchanged from their ancestors thanks to their isolated habitat. 
in New Guinea, they rarely do see these dogs in the wild. And where the tribesmen report hearing the dogs are up in such rugged terrain. I mean, it's like 6,000 feet up in the mountains. In 1957, Sir Edward Hallstrom brought the first New Guinea singing dogs out of the wild to an Australian zoo. Almost all the New Guinea singing dogs in North America have descended from this pair. The U.S. got its first singers in 1958. The head and teeth are distinguishing traits of this rare breed. The wedge-shaped head is the widest part of this dog's body and houses the four carnassial teeth that are much larger and sharper than those of a domestic dog. Used for shearing flesh and bone, the carnassials are commonly found in wild carnivores. They are kind of cat-like in that they can squeeze through small openings, so their spine and their muscles are put together a little differently than most dogs. Thanks to their flexibility, the New Guinea singing dogs can toss their head 360 degrees. Their short double coat is dense and ranges in color from red to brown. And because these dogs are wild, they're not usually recommended as house pets. But it's not always the case. Meet Pan, one of the few New Guinea singing dogs in captivity. He is a pet to our very own Dogs 101 expert, Dr. Alice Moonfinelli, who has dedicated years of her life to the study of wild canines. New Guinea singing dogs aren't for everyone. They're a tremendous responsibility. It was about seven years ago when a conservation group approached Alice to observe New Guinea singing dog behavior. I didn't happen to have a dog. Jan Kohler-Matznick from the New Guinea Singing Dog Conservation Society contacted me to ask if I would be interested in taking a singer pup so that I could provide direct behavioral observations. Alice had not worked with singers before or even met one, so she was understandably a little nervous about her new roommate. I was a bit reluctant because she was saying I might need bars on the windows and telling me about how predatory he was. So has Pan adapted to his life as a pet? Well... Life with a New Guinea singing dog means that the people have to adapt, uh, not so much that the singing dog adapts to the human environment. Like any other dog, he does go on walks. But with his wild instincts, Alice always has to be on her toes. Over the past six years, the experiment of bringing a wild dog into Alice's home has proven successful and educational. He's just fascinating to observe and fascinating to listen to. As an animal behaviorist, what has Alice learned by living with Pan? One of the things that strikes me about singing dogs is that they are so persistent. They just don't take no for an answer. They're more exaggerated than what you would see in a domestic dog. The thing that would make him different from other wild canids is that he shows absolutely no fear and uh, his life is sort of ruled by his curiosity. Through her research, Alice believes that the New Guinea singing dog should be classified as its own unique subspecies, which will help preserve this endangered canine. When a singer looks at you, it's almost as if they're looking into your soul. There's so much history in those eyes. The New Guinea singing dog is a wild animal and not recommended as a pet. They should be kept in areas where they can jump and run. They need lots of exercise. They're healthy dogs with a lifespan of 15 to 20 years. In terms of grooming, they take care of themselves. However, they shed during warmer months. Training a singer is like training a cat. They can be taught specific behavior, but usually perform on their own terms. They learn extremely quickly, particularly when they're young. These dogs are independent, 
And because they're wild, they have a strong predatory instinct. And they don't play with other animals. They are not recommended as family pets. It's definitely not a dog you would want to have in a house full of children or other dogs. So in general, the singer needs a lot of room to roam and constant supervision. They live a long time with virtually no inherited health issues. Grooming is a snap. This dog lives in the wild, so training one could present a challenge. And finally, the New Guinea singing dog is not recommended for families. You'd be thirsty too if you'd been doing what this rare dog is bred to do. The Karelian bear dog was originally bred to hunt bear. Sure, they've been domesticated, but these courageous creatures are still considered primitive dogs. They're much more like a kind of wild type, much more sort of wolfy. And they look that way too. They look sort of like a slighter boned Akita, but they only come in black and white. This natural-born hunter hails from a part of Finland claimed by the former Soviet Union. The breed was near extinction after World War II, but it's a national treasure in Finland today. You just won't see too many of them at the local dog park. In fact, there are only 300 of these dogs in the United States. I only have seen them in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and Washington. But if you do see these medium-sized hardy dogs, identifying them is relatively easy. Just look for a black and white double coat that's not only striking, but functional. That dense plush coat protects them from frostbite. And if you spot upward pointing ears and small eyes with an intense focus, you may be in the presence of a Karelian. But you wouldn't want to be in his grip. When they lock in on one of their prey, they're not letting go until their hunter counterpart comes to free them. That's because they have an extremely powerful jaw. The Karelian bear dog can exert 230 pounds of bite pressure to hold its prey in place. Almost twice what a human can muster. The Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife is so impressed with this rare breed's special gifts that it's put Karelian bear dogs on staff. These dogs very definitely aid us in saving bears' lives. Every year, the department fields hundreds of calls about bears encroaching on human-populated areas looking for food. In the past, problem bears were rarely found, enabling them to re-offend. And when they did, lethal removal was sometimes the unfortunate result. Now when problem bears are captured and set back into the wild, they are tagged with radio collars so the Department of Fish and Wildlife can track their movements. These dogs are helping wildlife officers give the bears a second chance. Now that we have Karelian bear dogs, I will find that bear because uh, that dog is going to find that bear no matter where it goes. Members of this rare breed are carefully selected to work with officers because they possess a combination of specific characteristics. What we're looking for is a dog that has physical stamina, has a keen sense of smell, is aggressive, and has the propensity to be a good hunter. And a high-pitched, relentless bark doesn't hurt. In fact, barking is another way Karelian bear dogs help wildlife officers save bears' lives. The technique is called hard release. Our whole idea here is to, to uh, scare the bear and make him never want contact with humans again. This bear was injured and living at a rehabilitation center. But now it's time to release him into the wild. 
and Mishka and Cash, the department's top dogs, are poised for action. Karelian bear dogs help the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife locate problem bears. But they also recondition bears to fear humans when they're released into the wild. The technique is called hard release, and if all goes as planned, this bear will never want contact with humans ever again. When the trap door finally opens, the bear is unsure, but the dogs know just what to do. The Korean bear dog is very good at standing their ground and telling the bear, don't come my way, head for the woods. It might look cruel, but beanbag shot shells and firecrackers frighten the bear even more. Reconditioning it to fear people is the ultimate goal. And Mishka did. In a matter of moments, the 250-pound creature lumbered away. With the help of Karelian bear dogs, 80% of problem bears don't return to human-populated areas after a hard release. Good dog, Coulter. Good dog. You want to get that bear? The department's newest employee, six-month-old Coulter, is still a little young to participate in the action. But the department is making sure he observes his mentors at work. It won't be long before young Coulter begins participating in hard releases, too. But first, he has to learn the ropes. Today, Mishka and Cash are helping train Coulter to track bear scent. The officers give all the dogs a good whiff, hide the pouch containing the scent, and then Coulter and his mentors get to work. He's a bit stumped at times, but Coulter eventually lands on target and savors the sweet smell of success. If they keep working together well, Coulter's handler is optimistic about the future. My hope for Coulter's is that we'll be able to save hundreds of bears and we'll be able to teach the general public how to live with bears in a more harmonious fashion. As you might imagine, Karelian bear dogs are outdoor creatures that don't like to be confined. So apartment life is out of the question. But in the health department, they get high marks. It's a pretty sturdy dog that really harks back to its ancestors who were able to survive in pretty tough conditions. Occasional brushing keeps their short coats looking fine, and they don't need as much bathing as other breeds. They don't tend to have that doggy odor that a lot of dogs have. If you're going to train these independent pooches, you better know what you're doing. The Corellian Bear Dog is really only for somebody who is a very experienced trainer. Their bravery and aggression make them excellent hunters, but when it comes to family life, they're actually out of their element. I'm not necessarily the best temperament for a dog that you want as a house pet. Here's the bottom line. The Karelian bear dog needs a lot of space, so apartment life is not an option. The good news is that they get an A-plus in the health department and have minimal grooming requirements. But you'd better have an experienced hand if you're going to train these hunting dogs, which are not recommended for families with children. Still, if you need a fierce, protective dog and you have the tools to train it, the Karelian bear dog could be the one That's for you. Boy. That's a good culture. So to recap, the Tire Ridgeback is a primitive breed that's so tough they were trained to kill cobras. Descended from the Asian wolf, there are only 100 of these dogs in the United States. The New Guinea singing dog may be the rarest dog breed on the planet. It might be the oldest breed as well. Today, there are only a handful in captivity, and for good reason. They're a wild breed of dog, and they have an amazing singing voice. 
The Poolie is a wonderful looking dog with a pile of densely knotted dreads. It was bred to mingle with the sheep herds of Eastern Europe. The Lagotto was the original water dog, bred centuries ago in Italy. The few remaining Lagotos helped find truffles in the forests north of Bologna. The Peruvian Inca Orchid is one of those fascinating hairless South American breeds. Legend has it they were once used as water bottles. Today, only a handful remain to maintain the breed. The Karelian bear dog comes from the high latitudes of Finland. It was bred to hunt bear, and they are still one of the bravest dogs on the planet. Some of these rare breeds make good pets. Others, because of their wild nature, are not recommended for the average home. If you're thinking of bringing a dog into your home, do your homework. Check out PetFinder.com and choose your next best friend wisely.